Подача Остин! Все-таки Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson, I'm the host of the show, and I'm exhausted. But besides that, thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, taking the time to make the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. Part of the reason I am so exhausted is, as you may or may not know, uh, I am a Houston Astros fan, and for just the second time in my adult life, they have made the World Series. They got their first ever World Series win. They've won their first ever World Series game this year, and they're doing it against the Dodgers, which is where I live. That is the hometown team, even though we live about three hours away. Um, so to have that all going on, the games have been ridiculous. Uh, late, long. Last night's game was about five hours ish. A Sunday night's game, I should say. Um, and and we recorded this podcast late on Sunday, uh, about midnight uh, UK time, uh, which basically bled directly into the start of the World Series game. Um, and it didn't, it didn't look like it was going well. And then it turned into this late, long, late inning, long affair and, uh, follow that up tonight, Monday night, uh, the night that I normally, uh, kind of polish all this off well before I go to, go to sleep. But, uh, I, I was a guest on another podcast and then that flowed kind of directly into, uh, the Houston Dynamo, which is the American soccer team that I support, the American football team that I support. Um, they were in a playoff match that, you know, went 93 minutes and had zero goals. So, um, all good things, uh, but I, I am I am fairly tired that I left this a, a bit later than I would like. Um, but unlike uh, something that maybe we would have done, where I, I didn't just hold out for a draw, I actually went for it and I got it done. And I, I think I think we are going to have a good episode. I think we have a good episode. Uh, I think you will enjoy it. But of course, I would say that. But I, I, I'm going to stand by that. So um, anyway, thank you so much for taking the time to to join the show today. Uh, once again, I hope that you enjoy it. And I, I do appreciate you listening. And on today's show, we're going to talk with the We Are Southampton page. We talk with Matt, who runs the page. Uh, you hear me talk about him and the page every single week. He is the guy who did the logo for the show. Um, and he's been uh, kind of a source of, of support, uh, of encouragement uh, from the very beginning and has been happy to help out whenever he can. Uh, and it was a pleasure to be able to talk to him again on the show. I hadn't talked to him since uh, last February uh, via Skype or the phone or anything. Uh, everything has been just through um, text message, but he's been a huge source of support and I, and I can't thank him enough. So uh, glad to have him on. Uh, he was down, he went down to Brighton. Uh, of course, you know, uh, we drew he and I will kind of talk about the game and talk about his experience there, um, as well as just kind of running the page. And he got to go visit um, Staplewood and things like that. So uh, we'll talk about all that with Matt. And he and I did talk for uh, a fairly lengthy amount of time, so uh, I won't spend too much time here. But anyway, we uh, we'll talk about the Brighton game. We'll break it down. We will talk about his page, and we'll answer some listener questions. And that will pretty much be the show. But before we do that, I have to tell you about the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. For match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. And now, for more from Matt and the We Are Southampton page, here's my conversation with Matt.
We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Matt Beeling. He runs the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. You hear me talk about him each and every week as being one of the people who helped kind of get this thing going. So Matt, it's a pleasure to talk to you again. Uh, It's been a long time since uh, February back in episode seven, but welcome to the podcast and thanks for doing this. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's been a while, but um, yeah, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, a different different time zone, different uh, different country even than last time, but uh, we're we're here. Yeah, um, so much has changed. <laughs> I guess before we jump into all all the team stuff, and there's there's plenty to talk about there. Um, you're still doing We Are Southampton, but what you know what brought you back to the to the UK since since last February? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm still running the page. Um, obviously, um, yeah, basically. Had to move back to the UK um, in the summer, unfortunately. Um, things just didn't work out in uh, Barcelona quite as well as we wanted it to. And um, realistically, finding work in the UK is a lot easier than uh, in Spain. So that's the main reason for coming back to the UK, unfortunately. <laughs> and what's the thing you missed the most about living? Because you were living down in Barcelona, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it's maybe a, bit, a good time not to be there then with everything else that's going on right now. But I mean, there is a lot going on there. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the same time, I do miss it a lot. And I mean, I'm sure I'm, I've had plenty of people tell me like, oh, I'm glad it's a good job you're not there right now. But uh, I would love to be back there just for the weather itself. Yeah. <laughs> just for the weather alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're living kind of around London and the outskirts of London. We were talking before kind of you're kind of over near where Crystal Palace is. Um but you're still able to get down to plenty of Southampton matches and, and you were able to go to Brighton away today. But, you know, how are things going with the, with the page since we last talked? Yeah. So, um, yeah, just staying just outside of London right now. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm still trying to keep up the page as well as I can. I'm, I'm trying to like refine my content a little bit rather than, uh, posting all the time, but I'm, um, trying to post as much as I can, like the same kind of format as I was doing uh, last season, like three or four posts a week. Um, and hopefully people are still enjoying the content and uh, still engaging in the page. And that's all I can really ask for, really, just uh, growing my uh, fan base a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I still, you're one of the few people that I have the uh, the post notifications turned on for. So every time you post something, I get it. And I'm like, ah, oh, I can go look. And awesome. I, I like that. So uh, hopefully other people other people do that too. And I, I, I shouldn't talk about this, but uh, I won that phone case a couple of years ago. And it's like, it's it's forced me to not get a new phone. Like I still... I still use it, but if I, I when we were good, like looking like Virgil was going to go over the summer, I was like, well, if, we, if he goes, I'm getting rid of this thing. Like I'm never looking at it again. But yeah, but I mean, you can't have a uh, Fonte and Van Dyke on there. Can yeah, you? yeah. <laughs> but it, I don't know. Like I said, the kids always the kids always ask about it at school, so it's always it's it's fun. So that's awesome. But I guess now that you're back in in Southampton or in in London, but near Southampton, uh, you were able to get down to Staplewood. You were invited to go to Staplewood uh, earlier this week. And, you know, how did that, like, how did they approach you about that, first of all? Yeah, it was, um, it was kind of random, actually. Uh, I got, like, an email um, the weekend before the, the Wednesday that we were invited, and um, they were basically just asked whether I wanted to attend um, a secret, like, like, a media day. That's all I really knew at the time, and um, they asked me whether I was available at a certain time, and I obviously said yes, and, um, yeah, that's where it started, really. And then, yeah, I just went down on the Wednesday and, um, yeah, had an amazing day. And because, I mean, we've seen Staplewood, you know, we see the training ground videos. We see some of the stuff when the, the guys are in like eating like early on in their preseason stuff and and things like that. And then even there have been a couple of interviews where Joe Prince Wright, one of the guys who covers uh, Southampton for NBC here in the States, he's gone in mm-hmm. and done like a media thing with uh, Oriol Romeo. And then they kind of walked around the ground. So like I kind of have an idea of what it was pieced together. But 
is it is it kind of what you imagined it would be in terms of, of a training facility? Um, to be honest, it's, it was like a whole lot more than I expected. I mean, I knew that Southampton had great facilities in general, but um, the training ground is like something else. Like like the whole facility itself is just unbelievable. The size of it, and um, yeah, like everything's like so, you know, upper echelon. Like like I mean, like, I can't imagine there are many Premier League teams that have better facilities than Southampton do. Really? Yeah, like it's, it was crazy. Like. So they have like five full size um, pitches. They have an indoor dome, which is like pumped with air like 24 seven and the actual base itself, like the building with the changing rooms, things like just unbelievable everything. It was crazy. Yeah. And I know you guys were there. It looked like at least in the afternoon, probably later afternoon, just judging by the, mm-hmm. kind of what it looked like on the sun, sun and all that stuff. But like any of the players or any of the staff around, you know, was, was Hugo there? That's like a, that's a question I want <laughs> Yeah, so it was like 4 p.m. when uh, we were invited down, and um, actually, yeah, most of our most of our tour around the uh, inside of the building was done by Hugo. So it was it was like amazing to meet him and uh, yeah, listen to like his descriptions of things. It was pretty cool. Somebody in one of the group chats that I was in at one point like added him, and he's just like, "What are you guys doing? Like, why? I'm not I'm not staying here. Just like, thanks, hi, <laughs> see you later, bye." So it's always uh, you know he he's he's fantastic. So I, I'm that, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he seems like such a nice guy and everything he was saying was like, it just seemed like so genuine and like how he like could refer to the players on like a really personal like level. Like it was, it was really cool to hear. Yeah. I, I have to imagine like the things that he has to know about the players to get his job done have to be far and above like what I would even want to know about the players. You know, like I just want to know like, you know, oh, Redmond's really good at FIFA or whatever. Like that's, <laughs> that's fine. But like, I don't want to know anything else. Like I don't, there, you know too much and then it, it kind of ruins the, uh, you know, yeah, the, the, yeah. the shine on them, I guess. But um, for you, what was the most interesting aspect of that tour? Um, it's difficult to put like a, like a, like to say like one thing, I think just the pure scale of the, the, the training ground was like, it was like so much bigger than I'd uh, had in my mind. And um, they have like two full size training pitches just for the first team players and um, the facilities inside the actual facility itself, like the gym, the medical center it was just like so much better than i could have imagined and like no wonder like you know they get the results out of the younger players as they do because like the facilities are probably the best in the country did you did you guys get to walk by the black box did you get to go in the black box they just say this is the black box keep moving <laughs> actually they gave us quite a lot of time in the black box to be fair they showed us where it was and they invited us in actually even uh, showed us how it works, like gave us, gave us some examples of players they had scouted previously through the black box. So yeah, we got a lot more than I expected from the black box. And I um, actually got a couple of insights, which I probably, I don't know if I'm allowed to share them, but uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. No, no, don't, yeah, don't share them. Don't share them. <laughs> uh, I want you to be able to yeah. go back at some point. if they. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I mean, it was interesting, that's for sure. Although I doubt anybody from the club is actually listening to this, but you know, so maybe it would be safe anyway, but we won't if do they it. Are, then, you know, yeah. Yeah. I'll keep things quiet. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess moving away from, from the training facility and, and, and towards St. Mary's, uh, are you now a, a season ticket holder? I am. Yeah. This is uh, my, yeah, my first season as a season ticket holder. So yeah, it's pretty cool. And, uh, where, what stand are you sitting in? And, and, uh, did you, did you look at any other stands before you chose the, the area that you're sitting in now? Um, so when I went to, when I went to games last season, the few that I went to when I was back from uh, Spain, we, we always used to sit in the same place, like, uh, in the itching stand directly, uh, next to the away fans, pretty much like on the, on the barrier. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
that's just where I've always sat, like, uh, whether it was with my family or whether it was with my friends, I always used to sit in the same place. So logically, it just made sense to get a season ticket there. So that's what I did, really, yeah. Do you enjoy sitting that close to, to the away fans? Um, I mean, it's got its, like, pros and cons. In general, I, I, like, really like sitting there because when you're winning, it's great to, like, you know, give the away fans some stick. But um, obviously, when the away fans have a better day out than you do, it's uh, not so fun, but... That hasn't happened too much this season yet, so I can't be too upset. Right. And and then you were able to get to, to Brighton away today. I think we mentioned that uh, a little bit earlier. But mm-hmm. is the away day experience a lot different than the home the home experience? And then I guess which one do you prefer? Um, yeah, for me, the away day experience is, uh, is very, very different from a home, home match experience. And um, yeah, I, def- I definitely prefer an away day experience, actually, because the atmosphere is just amplified. I mean, our fans are pretty good at home, but compared to an away following, it's not comparable. Like our away fans are so much more dedicated. They sing the whole way through the match. It's just a much more uh, pleasurable experience than, uh, yeah, the crowd at St. Mary sometimes can be a little bit, yeah, half and half. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit toxic sometimes, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're not, you're not the first person to, to, to mention that. So, no. uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's one thing we have to, to deal with and try to rectify, but, yeah, it goes <laughs> yeah. along. It goes along sometimes with the the performances that we see and the frustrations people have. So I try not to judge yeah, because yeah. I don't. I, I watch for free from here, so I can't say anything for people who spend their <laughs> their money every week and, and and get there. And like even for a home match for you, you're still traveling down there and, and doing all that stuff. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those things. But um, yeah, I mean I think I think everyone can just do a little could do a little bit more in terms of supporting the team at home. That's for sure. Yeah, um, and, and I guess kind of. Leading into to the the match today, uh, this is mm-hmm. match week ten. We went away to Brighton. This is people on TV at least were saying it was a derby. I don't think it is. I think it's a little bit further away. I think everybody knows that our our rival, our only derby, is is, Port, is Portsmouth, and that, and that and that's it. But you know whatever they have to do to justify putting it on the TV for for us fans here and and, and in the UK as well. Uh, yeah. So be it. So when you when you saw the the lineups come out, I guess. Were you at all surprised on on any of the personnel that were used? Um, well, I thought there were a couple of big surprises that um, that made the starting eleven. I'm surprised that uh, Wesley Hoot. I don't even know how to say his name. To be fair. I think it's <laughs> I'm fine. surprised that um, I'm surprised Yoshida uh, was dropped from the team, and also I was surprised uh, Ward Prowse came in maybe rather than someone like Hoiberg instead, maybe. But um, all in all, I wasn't overly surprised that the changes made. I just maybe the personnel that came into the team were a bit different to what I would have expected. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, Lamina was injured, so we had to bring in somebody there. And and I think we've seen Davis enough in that holding role alongside Romeu to to think that he would be the guy that would drop back there. Even though I think a lot of people would rather him play further forward. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like either people want him playing further forward or they want him out of the lineup. And I think you know, all things kind of considered, we kind of just assumed he was going to be playing there and he was but that, i was mm-hmm. also pr- surprised that, that ward prowse came in i kind of thought it was going to be tadich buffal and and redmond playing and either buffal or tadich in the middle and then redmond and, and the other uh outside out wide but um or possibly even long because he'd been played there uh b- before but um yeah. you know with with austin i guess being injured it, it meant we, we weren't we weren't going to play two up top because you only have two strikers and if something happens and you're kind of in trouble but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I was a little, little surprised, but, but not, not terribly surprised. And then it, maybe it was a little harsh on Yoshida not to have him there. But I think that, that center back partnership of Van Dyke and Hoot is probably our best, even though Yoshida has been, you know, fantastic 
for the most part. Yeah, I mean, yeah, on paper, I mean, it's our starting, like, they should be our starting centre-backs. So I just, yeah, I didn't really see, uh, I didn't see why, I, I mean, that wasn't the issue going into this game as a, a centre-back pairing. So I was surprised that he came in. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was a bold move and I guess it, it sort of worked. Yeah, I mean, the, Van Dijk and Hoyt looked fine. Um, yeah, yeah. There was that one issue that we'll come to with, with their goal where, you know, maybe something has to be done. So Cedric is not trying to mark you know, striker. <laughs> uh, their striker on his own. But hey, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then d- did you think, I guess, that Buffal deserved a start after his performance, not just last week with the goal, but even the past few weeks? It seems like for me watching Buffal last year, he was kind of weak. He got pushed off the ball. It was a lot of kind of fancy stuff, but really nothing else. And and this year, he seems to maybe have rectified that a little bit. He seems a little stronger. He's tracking back a little bit more. I guess from your perspective, do you think he deserved to to get the start today, or would you have maybe kept him out and, and left him on as a to bring him on kind of as some sort of impact sub? Yeah, I mean there are arguments um, for and against starting him today. I mean his goal last weekend was amazing. I was there in the stadium and like seeing him run from inside his own half and score a goal like that was like unbelievable in terms of justifying him starting I, th- I think he did deserve to start after his previous performances but um the way he celebrated perhaps last week in front of the manager maybe didn't do himself too many favors <laughs> doing that but um yeah i think he did justify a start whether he made the most of it you could probably argue maybe not yeah well i guess going into the first half i I think I was wrong in the way I thought Brighton, Hove, and Albion were going to play. I kind of assumed that coming up, they would probably sit deep and try to soak up pressure. And they didn't really seem to do that. They seemed to press fairly often throughout the match. Maybe that was because we we scored so early and so they couldn't do that. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. Then it seemed like once we got to 1-1, like nobody wanted to win almost. Like, you know, yeah. it seemed like for large portions of the game, people sat around. But um, going through the first half, when Buffal won that that free kick and, and James Ward-Prowse uh, stepped up to to the set piece from where you guys were sitting. I don't know if you were behind the stands there or if you were on the opposite end, but uh, did you have a, a pretty clear view of what, of what happened when, when that goal went in? Um, so like we were so like behind James will prowess like, so in the stands, like way behind that half. So quite far away. But um, obviously when you see James will prowess step up to take a free kick, you obviously get a little bit excited because you know what he's capable of. Um, but it did look quite far out. So uh, we didn't know whether he was going to go for goal or, or like whip the ball in, but in the end, like his run-up suggested that he was going to hit the ball towards goal. So, yeah, I mean, what came of it was obviously uh, you would expect him to do something, but I mean, I guess he was unlucky that it came off the post. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, we get the goal from Davis off of it, and I think somebody somebody tweeted that it was the first headed goal that Davis had had in like twelve years. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw that stat, which is yeah. ridiculous. Um, but. When the kind of the camera panned out for us and we, I saw kind of where it was, it was definitely further out than what they were practicing, you know, on, on the video they released, I think Thursday or Friday, because uh, yeah. everybody was kind of stepping up, hitting it over the thing. Van Dyke hit that one, uh, where Prowse and Redmond hit a couple. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that's too far. Like, you know, this is not, you know, then he hits it and it's like, oh man. And then it just came back off the, off the post and the keeper had no chance. He wasn't getting there if that no. ball, if that ball's going in. And then, so he's unlucky not to get the goal, but we go ahead. And I felt until, up until that point that we were kind of on top. And then maybe after that, it kind of just, we kind of just slid slowly slid back and, and, and just allowed Brighton to come onto us. Is that kind of what the, the feeling was from you guys in the stadium? Yeah. I mean, after we scored, I, I mean, 
Um, I may be very wrong with these stats, but I mean, I can't remember us having like another shot on target the remainder of the first half. I mean, I don't even think we had a shot on target in the second half. But um, yeah, from from then on, it just seems like we were quite content to sit back and and rely on that that one goal and just see if we could maybe break Brighton down on the break or you know just like rely on them making a mistake to to, to see out the game rather than take the initiative and um, try and see out the game ourselves. You know, you know put you know another goal. In and just and just you know see out the game, but we didn't it didn't go that way. No, no, and, and throughout the first, rest of the first half, yeah, we only had two shots total, only one one mm-hmm. on target, and and right. so we didn't really do anything after that. And it definitely seemed like Brighton was coming on to us, coming on to us. They had more possession, and they didn't really create any clear chances up through like forty minutes. But it was definitely clear that there were some moments of panic from us where we were just scrambling to get the ball away and. And then, you know, Gabby Dini comes into the TV picture for the first time in, you know, 15 minutes. And then, uh, and then the ball's kind of back in down on our end and we're defending. But yeah, it was kind of, it, it was kind of frustrating. Uh, like you said, from, from my perspective, because if we just go out and we continue to play like we played the first 10 minutes, then I, I think we, I think we get another goal at some point. But if we allow mm-hmm. them to kind of hang around and, and give them opportunities to come on to us, you know, it only takes one, one kind of moment of, of not being in line, like, and we saw it in the second half where we're not uh, necessarily as defensively solid as we should be. Uh, there's one mistake and then, and then they equalize. And now instead of having three points against a team that is newly promoted, now you're, you're fighting just to, just to get one. And that's not necessarily, uh, I, I think what we want or what we expect maybe from the, from, from the squad. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, most, most people, when they come up against new league promoted teams from the championship, you would expect, you know, not, not necessarily to get three points, but at least to play well against that team. And um, we did we did play relatively well in the first 15, 20 minutes. But um, after that, you know, we, we really let them come back into the game. And if anything, we were lucky to get a point in the end. Uh, going into going into halftime, was there one player on our squad who you kind of, could kind of point out that was having like a, a relatively good performance out there that was maybe doing things like was Gabby Adini making runs and then we were just not hitting him or... Or was there anything going on in the midfield that maybe I didn't see because I was watching on, on, on television and I'm getting, you know, uh, following the ball instead of being able to kind of see the whole pitch? I would say, like, as per usual, like, Van Dyke had a very solid game. Like, he just cleared everything that was remotely dangerous. And, um, yeah, I think having Hood next to him, like, it, it did make a big difference. He seemed very comfortable on the ball. And, you know, he obviously runs runs out from defensive ball. And um, he probably was our most solid player in the in the first half. I mean. Gabby Adini did make runs, but ultimately, yeah, nobody found him. And um, most of those runs were in vain. So, you know, he might have been playing well, but it's very difficult to tell when he's not getting the ball to his feet. So, Yeah. And, and I guess for for me, I kind of thought that Gabby Adini was, was making good runs. And, I, and when you compare kind of how we were set up, whereas it's him against their two center backs and then you know, Murray against our two center backs, I think that one, our center backs are better than theirs. And I would think that our striker is better than theirs. I would, you know, if I'm picking a team, I'm definitely going to take our three versus their three, but somehow Murray winds up with a goal and Gabby Dini doesn't. And that to me signals that there's something else wrong with, in terms of how we're playing. Are we not like, we're obviously not getting Gabby Dini the service he needs and, and what, why, or where on the pitch are we, are we failing to to do that? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's been a problem all season, uh, finding the right service for Gabbiadini. And obviously he was dropped for a couple of games, like uh, three or four games earlier. 
in the season. And um, I don't think it's his fault that he's not getting chances. I think he does deserve better service than he's getting. And um, he's not the kind of striker that's going to manufacture things for himself. Although he did he did do that against uh, Newcastle a couple of weeks ago. But um, he shouldn't have to, you know, manufacture those chances. You should be getting decent service, which is, uh, you know, like a, a necessity in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. And and I think we've talked before on on, on here about the idea that we want to score goals from open play, obviously, but the ones that we have, and when we're happy when we have players like Gabbiadini or Buffal who do that, who who can recognize that we need this right now. We need to just do this. I need to do this on my own. And here we go. And that's fine, but you can't always rely on that. You can't always rely on somebody being able to do that. And we don't mm-hmm. really have very many goals this season where you can look at it and say, like, that was a truly a team goal. It doesn't matter yeah. who scored it because we put it together. It was built from the back and it was all this stuff. And I think that is is maybe the most worrisome part of it for me is if we're always going to rely on a moment of magic to, to win a game, then we're not going to win very many. Um, no, I agree. I agree. So, yeah. So that, it, it's slightly frustrating uh, for me looking at that, but, you know, going into halftime, we went in with a halftime lead. I was, mm-hmm. you know, I felt, I felt okay about, about the first, like you said, the first 15 minutes or so were great. Uh, we kind of tailed off after that. And then it, you're kind of looking and hoping Pellegrino or something's going to, change at halftime we're going to come out and play a little bit better but when the guys came out at halftime did you notice any anything different between how we ended the first half and how we started the second um to be honest i didn't know um i thought the tempo was pretty similar and um we we obviously weren't sitting back and relying on that lead but we at the same time weren't going forward like and, and pushing as much as we could have been but um i didn't see any like reason for concern like immediately after half time no leading up to to the brighton goal you know, ball's kind of on the edge of the box. Uh, it comes down off of a hand or an elbow or something like that, but it, it wasn't a handball. There, there was some claim for it, I guess. But it, immediately after that happens, the ball gets it gets thrown out wide. And I, I, I guess just leading up to this, to, to the actual goal going in, and there's I think there's errors kind of all the way through, uh, whereas Bertrand and whoever was playing winger on that side didn't get close enough to the guy crossing the ball. They, they gave him too much time to, to put it into yeah. the box, I think. Both of our center backs are pulled over that way, which I guess if the ball's going that way, you have to move a little bit. But Murray does well to kind of get on to Cedric because the the height difference is is insane. And mm-hmm. then I, I think I, I tweeted at this point like Cedric marking Murray at the back post is never going to work. Like that is that is exactly what the striker wants. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the winger has to come back, or the, the midfielder on that side has to come back and provide some support. Uh, and Tadic is nowhere near him. And then I guess we can talk about whether or not Forrester is, is to blame for for this as well. But uh, did you notice uh, that when when the goal went in? Like, what what was your initial thought as the goal was was going in? Um, so yeah, I, I saw I saw the ball go in, and I, I I thought there should have been more pressure on the cross coming into the box. And then once I saw a Brighton player get their head on it, I didn't realize it was Murray at the time. I didn't know who was there, but um, we were quite far away. As, as the ball went in, I, I thought Forster could have done a lot better keeping it out. For, for me, it seemed like he was um, taking steps backwards uh, into the goal whilst he was trying to save the, the ball. So I think I think maybe he could have started further out um, to get a hand on it before the, the, the ball was pretty much in the net because by the time he got hands on it, it was, you know, it was in the goal. So um, I think partially it, it was his you know, like his responsibility to try and do better there. But uh, maybe that's just me being critical. I mean, but um, I think, I think he probably could have done better to be honest. No, I don't think you're being overly harsh there. And I've, 
stood up for Forrester in the past, but this is one of those things where I don't know. I don't necessarily think he's going to be dropped or even that he should be. I think he is the best goalkeeper that we have. I don't think McCarthy is, is the player that he was, um, you know, not last season, maybe the season before. And granted, we've only seen small clips of him in the under 23s, but he just doesn't look that great. Um, and so I think Forster is going to play. So I want to build him up, but when you look at something like that, they were, they were, as they showed the replay, you could see that he didn't come all the way over to cover that near post. No, Um, not at all. He, he left a huge gap there. And one of the things that was mentioned on the commentator here, he goes, he goes, well, maybe he thought that based on how soft the ball was coming in, that Murray's not going to try to go for goal, that he's going to head it back across. So he's not, you know, he's kind of cheating that way a little bit. Um, And then, and whatever it is, it was a mistake on his part. Like he has to, he either has to get to that ball and even granted is in the corner, but he forcer can reach up and touch the bar. Like he doesn't even have to, to jump, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, he's a tall guy. He he should be able to, you know, you know, read the play and position himself well enough to, to be able to keep something like that out. Like that, that is the basics of being, you know, like a a top class goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when he's that big, I can make excuses for him not being able to get to the floor. Maybe, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. he's, he's definitely a bulkier guy than somebody like De Gea, but when you're that big, I can't make excuses for you not blocking something that's up where you can reach. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta help me out a little bit if I'm going to come to your, <laughs> come to your, uh, aid all the time. So dang, like it, that was, that yeah. was frustrating. And then I don't know, fr- from that point on, it didn't really seem like we changed our approach. Like we, you know, sometimes if you take your foot off the gas and you're kind of in that defensive, mostly mindset, it's difficult to just go like, we need to go forward now. And, and he, like, let's just flip the switch and make it work. It doesn't always happen. And it didn't really seem to happen uh, for us. No, I mean, I can't remember any significant chances in the second half that we had. I mean, we had a couple of like half chances, a couple of good balls into the box, but otherwise we looked pretty content with the point, which is, which was strange considering, you know, the fact that we just conceded. So like, lack, you know, like from a poor bit of marking and a poor goalkeeping perhaps but like it didn't look like we wanted to win the game towards the end so right yeah it was, it was very weird yeah um Bafal was brought off uh Redmond came on for him uh in the 72nd minute and I think people were upset maybe a little bit by that that you were bringing him off in, in the time where you maybe you needed him but it doesn't seem like anybody who plays that position plays the entire match I don't think we've had that you know very often throughout anything it's either Redmond comes off or Tadish comes off or whoever comes off so not necessarily surprised. And I did notice that in the moments building up to that, there were a couple of times where maybe Buffal should have been sort of tracked back a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. to, to help out and it wasn't happening. So I, it's not, not a super big surprise that he was subbed off. Uh, Redmond comes on. He's not a fan favorite at this point. When we made our subs, people were kind of upset about the subs that they were made in, in terms of Redmond, Long and Hoiberg all came on. Hoiberg hasn't been in the match day squad recently. hasn't ha- really had a chance. Uh, were you surprised to see those players be brought on? And did you think they had an impact for the last uh, 10 or 15 minutes of the match? Um, yeah, I was, I was somewhat surprised that Hoiberg came on. Cause obviously I think uh, he's like, well, that forgotten guy now who's, who's around, but it never plays and people were like, Oh, he's got a lot of potential, but you know, when's he going to show it? So um, I, I was surprised to see him come on. And it was nice to see him come on actually, and I think he had the biggest impact of all the players that came on because Redmond came on, didn't really improve of what on what Bufal was doing, and and Shane Long was, you know, pretty much as ineffective as you can be. Like he, I don't think he touched the ball that much, had no chances, didn't run in behinds, didn't have any shots, didn't make anything happen. So uh, I guess, yeah, I guess Hoiberg had the 
the biggest impact, but at the same time, you know, that's not saying much because neither, like none of them were overly effective when they came on. Right, right. There were a couple of times where Hoiberg got, you know, he he took the ball off somebody in midfield and made a run forward, um, but then basically it was just mugged by like three three Brighton players and and you know he there was nothing happening around him to be able to get rid of the ball and that is something that I noticed later on in the game is we had a couple instances where Van Dyke brought the ball forward or or Hoyt brought the ball forward or even Hoiberg and and the players around them just the, the movement wasn't there um there were no passing lanes there was nothing and you can kind of see them on, on tv kind of pointing like somebody open uh, you know and, and it just didn't happen and then eventually the brighton gets the ball back and then we we have to go back and defend and it's like you know it, like like you said already it just didn't look like we wanted to win the match it looked like we were just content with keeping a point maybe we just you know i was waiting for somebody to run to the corner flag anytime after the 85th minute and just kind of hold on uh you know until the, <laughs> until the whistle blew and that's that's not necessarily i think what people want to see uh, from a team that that wants to be in the, in the top half of the table, we year in year out, and definitely even push for a European place. I think is what a lot of fans now are expecting. Whether that's fair or not it is completely like a, a different question. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a problem all season. Actually, like um, we just we just haven't looked dangerous attacking wise. Like I mean, we've been to numerous home games this season, like pretty much every single one, and like the lack of movement when we're attacking going forward is 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 like criminal like there's, there's no one making any dangerous runs other than Gabbiadini and if you're looking for like one guy to make your runs fine but like you, you've got to you've got to at least give them good service and we're not even doing that so you know if, if you're gonna create these chances you've got to be doing a whole lot more than what we're doing now it's 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 yeah it's difficult to watch sometimes were the away fans frustrated by what they saw today were they I mean was there complaints or murmurings of complaint at some point I mean inevitably there's always a little bit towards the certain players i mean redmond gets a pretty rough going from our fans but um yeah i mean in general i don't think anyone was that frustrated um obviously when the goal went in i think um people you know were wondering you know like why have we let this game you know like come back into brighton's hands why are we letting them come back into the game but um in general i don't think we've seen i don't think the crowd singled out anyone i think we just in general the performance wasn't good enough and i think yeah, I think by the end of the game, people were getting frustrated, but not anyone in- individually. I think it was just more a team performance and, you know, not where we should be. Yeah. Okay. A- anything else on the match that maybe we didn't talk about uh, before we move on to some of the questions we got from some listeners? Um, I'm just trying to think, actually. Um, I mean, the second half in, in, in general was just, just very, very poor from our... It just looked directionless. We didn't look like we knew what we would wanted from the game. Didn't look like we knew if we were sticking or twisting. Just very content to you know take a point which is concerning considering Brighton are you know one of those teams that you should be beating considering they've just been promoted you know like their team is considerably weaker than ours and um we looked a little bit scared towards the end because you know their fans were coming into it towards the end and um they were more likely to get the winner than we were so yeah I think I think maybe the team needs to show some character once you are 1-0 up you know just like keep doing what you're doing don't don't sit back I don't know if that's a, a manager's decision just to be content with the with the lead but um yeah i think we went about going one nil up completely wrong today and um it cost us in the end like like on a scale of like Mourinho to pep we're definitely leaning much more towards the Mourinho, you know we, yeah we, um, we really are like yeah it's not a good place to be that you know that's not necessarily a tactic that our fans want and, and if there was any question about that i think last year answers it for you um you mm-hmm. know eighth in a cup final 
but you play generally unattractive football, we're not interested. You know, that's mm-hmm. not, that's not what we, what we want to see. And so it, it is frustrating to, to have that happen again. And I'm generally going to be way too positive about everything in terms of, of the manager <laughs> and things like that. But it is, it is difficult each week to, to kind of just like keep believing that the manager has it under control and has a plan and that we're, we're getting closer to that plan, you know? Yeah. It's, um, it's one of those things you don't know whether it's like a hangover from last season. You don't know whether like Pellegrino's not being able to in, enforce his philosophy like quick enough or whether we're like still playing under Puel's philosophy because that's what we got used to playing. But, um, from, from what I've seen so far this season, it seems very much like, I mean, there isn't a massive difference from the football we were playing last season, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, it's the same club. It's the same, it's the same team, you know, mm-hmm. it, very few additions, very few changes. So it's not really that surprising uh, that you're not getting something drastically different given it was one summer and, and no real changes to the squad to really give it a, a new dynamic. So, you know, maybe harsh to be overly critical of the manager, but, but th- he, he is the easiest one to criticize given that he is the man in charge of, of the squad and ultimately how we play. Yeah. I guess time will tell whether his <laughs> tactics will, you know, come in, come in and uh, change the way we play. But at the moment, it's not looking like it's going to go that way. And um, obviously, you know, Claude Puel got a good win of Leicester today. So you've got to, you got to wonder, you know, how things work in football sometimes. When when I found out he was, uh, you know, in the running for that job, it was like uh, some of the football podcasts I listen to, they just claim that Okazaki never stopped smiling. And I was like, is this going to be it? Like once he plays <laughs> under, under ball, will he stop smiling? And it's just like, and it, it doesn't look like it. It looks like he's going to be just fine. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you uh, know, fair enough. They've made, I mean, they've made a bold decision. If it works out for them, then fine. But I mean... I can't see it being a massively attractive football at Leicester this season. Yeah. Uh, you know, I get this is just me kind of being, and there's no basis for this whatsoever, but maybe we see that, that Puel's ideas are, are different at Leicester and whether he says it's down to the personnel he has or, or whether it's, you know, somebody behind the scenes that, you know, the manager at Southampton is not making all of the decisions in terms of uh, the style of football that we play. Maybe it's something that's coming down kind of a director from above. Who knows? Like, who really knows what's going on? All we can judge is what we see on the field, and then we kind of have to piece together the rest. So I don't want to go mm-hmm. like like too far with any any one thing. But let's get into some questions. And I'm kind of laughing because I'm I'm reading the questions here, and I'm not sure that I can answer or ask any of them uh, <laughs> <laughs> from from Dan. Uh, but they are they are pretty funny. Um, yep. <laughs> and I guess we're gonna we're gonna skip the one where he asks about castrating Tadich or Forrester first, um, and we're gonna go straight to he says 13 points from 10 games. This is from Dan at Holy Hoiberg. Uh, 13 <laughs> points from 10 games. Is this crap or is it insanely crap? You know, w- w- based on where we are, based on who we've played, do you think this is, a, this is a decent return or would you have expected more from the team up until now? I mean, looking at the fixtures we've had, I, I, think you, I think you've got to look at it as in a negative. I think we have dropped points in games we should be winning. I think um, you can look at games like Newcastle, Watford, you know, even today, I mean, these are all games, you know, like teams on paper that we should be comfortably outplaying and, you know, getting points from those games, if not winning them. And um, yeah, 13 points from 10 games. I know that sees us in, in ninth place in the table. But um, I think, you know, realistically, we could be top five right now. We, we could be where Arsenal are. And, and that's, you know, you know, like the reality of it. We, we could, if, if we knew how to take our chances, if we could, you know, kill teams off, I think, I think, we'd be right in the mix. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of room for improvement and uh, I guess we'll see over the next couple of weeks whether, whether you know, we can turn it around or whether we are going to be content with this 
current pattern of form. We're just, you know, like scoring goals, but not winning games. Right. And I read or heard somewhere, I think it was an Anna Blackmore tweet that, that Pellegrino had, had anticipated or, or, or saw us getting 17 points from the first 10 games. And, mm-hmm. and if that happens, that right now, based on everything, puts us in, in sixth place ahead of Liverpool and Watford just behind Arsenal. Yeah. Um, and that is something that would be fantastic. I mean, that would just be so great to, to do. And obviously, it doesn't matter because it didn't happen. But even today, just with a win today, that would have put us up to 15th. And on, based on goal difference, it would have put us uh, ahead of Watford and we'd be sitting in seventh place. And I think at that point, we kind of have to look at it and go like, hey, that's not that bad. But but already now, when you start going down the table, we're not, you know, we're one loss, one more loss away from being down in, in 15th or 16th. And so mm-hmm. that, that, that bottom end of the table, just like last year is so, is going to be one of being so compact. It looks like some of those uh, relegation teams, including Everton might fall away from us fairly quickly, but uh, the rest of it, there's, there doesn't look like there's going to be a huge amount of separation between say 15th and, and eighth this year. Yeah. No, not at all. Like the teams below us, uh, our teams, you would fancy us to beat in most games, but um, it's, you know, it's really not been that way this season at the moment. And um you know, if we don't start picking up points against those teams, we're going to be in real trouble. I know saying a lot because, you know, there are, there are a lot worse teams than us in the Premier League. But, uh, you know, all, all it takes is a couple of bad results and you're, you're right down there. And, um, we, yeah, we're, we're not far off that right now. And we're going to be going into a run of fixtures here in late November, early December that are going to be just brutal on us in terms of the teams we play and the schedule and how fast they come. So we're, we're really are you know, flirting with, with disaster. And I don't like to say that. But I think I think that is true. I think based on the people we played, we we would have expected to have way more points than we have now. Um, but hopefully, you know, maybe somebody actually pointed out that maybe the 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 style of football that we've been playing lately, maybe that actually suits us playing a bigger team a little bit better because we're going to be able. Maybe we get a few more draws and not losses against some of those big big teams the way we play. Uh, you just kind of have to hope uh, for, for that that's true. But I, I'd rather just see us come out and and beat the teams we're supposed to beat, and then you know, maybe get lucky against a big team or two and, and lose a couple, win a couple, and, and we'd be okay. Yeah, I mean, our December looks horrendous on paper. If we can pick up even six points during that month and we're playing, you know, the, the best teams in the country, um, you've got to look at that as a as a positive. But we haven't played that well. And even, I mean, we did play okay against Man United this earlier this year, but um, or earlier this season. But um, I think if we don't pick up a good amount of points in December, we're going to be... We're going to be in some some trouble, especially looking at the the teams that are below us, because they are teams that have potential to pick up points, especially the likes of Everton. If they start playing well, they will pick up points. So it, it is worrying looking at the pictures ahead because we have had games that we should be winning. Yeah, yeah. So our next question is from Christian Candler, and he says, "Is it a player thing or a manager thing that we can't seem to play a full ninety minutes?" It is an interesting question because I think having watched, you know, pretty much every game this season and last season, it is something that has become pretty consistent in our play. We we are letting teams, you know, come back into a match where we should just be, you know, quite comfortable seeing these games out. But um, whether it's the players or the manager, it's, it's difficult to put a finger on. But um, it's something I think certain players, they do seem to get complacent in matches Um there are players you can you can call out, maybe like Tadic, who aren't putting in a full shift for the whole match. Players that perhaps, you know, maybe they're just lacking stamina, maybe they're not, you know, quite as up for it as other teams are. Um, 
whether it's a manager thing, I'm, I'm not too sure because we've obviously had a influx of different managers the last couple of seasons. But um, it's something that stayed pretty consistent in our in our play and it you know it's going to cost us points and it's going to cost us a lot of points over a season and if you if you can't change that way that we're playing it's 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 worrying and um yeah you've, you've got to be able to see out a win see out a lead and um it's not something i ever feel confident that we're going to be able to do in a match yeah yeah i i can't disagree with you at all at all on that um we have one more question and there's a lot to it mm-hmm. um let me just read all of the comments and then we'll, we'll do what we can with it. So, okay. uh, this is from Caroline Emerson. Uh, it's at soft Sally Saint on Twitter. And I think I have these in the right order. Um, but we'll see. So it says, sadly, we seem to have lost our way since Kuman walked out on us and Mana and Pella were sold and not replaced properly. Should we blame the black box or less read for wrong decisions made over the players and the managers since then? Have the players been affected more than we know by the upheaval since then, which might explain the apparent lack of confidence currently? All teams have peaks and troughs, some more than others. And as we seem to be in a trough, perhaps it's time, or perhaps in time, we'll start to peak again. Too many fans and clubs want to sack the managers too soon. Our manager needs time. The players need to adapt. Patience is called for. Uh, like a small child learning a skill, the parent encourages, and we as fans need to support our players at St. Mary's at all times. So uh, there's an absolute ton in there. Uh, yeah. a ton of questions, but let's just kind of go through it. So definitely since Kuman left, we have kind of fallen backwards a little bit. The, the football hasn't been nearly as attractive. We haven't finished as high. We haven't scored as many goals. Like kind of whatever metric you want to use, we probably haven't been as good, but does, does less read or the black box, you know, need some blame in terms of the players that we brought in and, or not having adequate replacements for players uh, and, and the manager. Um, I think it's a little harsh to, to pin the blame on Les Reed and uh, the black box transfer policy. But I, th- I think um, I think the fact that we haven't replaced players like Pella and Mane is, you know, it's, it's a big talking point. I think they're players that we had no choice but to sell. I think Pella, you know, obviously he went to China because he was being paid obscene amounts of money. And, um, and Mane went to Liverpool, you know, to, to win trophies, which we couldn't offer. So... Um, in terms of replacing them, I don't think we've done a great job. I think Redmond's probably half the level of Mane ever was. And, um, and, and Gabbiadini probably is a suitable replacement for Pella, but he's, he's, he's taking time to, to adapt to the way that we play. And, um, yeah, the flair's just not there anymore. And, um, whether, whether that's a manager thing or whether it's a, um, a, a club philosophy, I'm, I'm not too sure, but, uh, I mean, you you think eventually things will turn turn around or the players will get used to playing with each other. I know there's been a lot of, you know, in and outs with our squad, but um yeah, I think I think it's a matter of time before before they start to gel and uh until then I guess as fans we've just gotta be patient and um and hope that things are gonna, you know, come back around full circle. I mean, if if we get if if we start playing football like we did under Kuman, then you know, no one's gonna be complaining. So <laughs> Right, right. And like you said, I think it is a little bit harsh to blame it all on Les Reed because I'm sure that there are there are players that we attempted to get that we couldn't get uh, or that things fell through last minute, whatever it was. And and I think some of it comes down to how people view, how other players view our club. If Sometimes I think if, you, if they view it as a stepping stone, if they view us as a team that we, this is my foothold in the Premier League and then from there I will go to Liverpool or Man City or United or wherever else, that that might actually get us some, some better players in the short term, um, mm-hmm. you know, players who are, 
uh, still young in their career, but have a lot of potential can come here and, and make it better. Um, but they're coming here with the idea that they're going to leave. And then, you know, play, we as fans don't always like that. We want players to come and stay and, and, and be here. But I think if we want that, I think sometimes we have to accept that the players we're going to get are, are probably not as good as players who are, you know, still earlier in their career with a lot more potential that are, are looking to move on. If, if that makes, if that makes sense to you at all. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult philosophy to buy into because, you know, you don't want to see your best players go, but obviously you can't stop them from going when there are clubs like Liverpool, you know, Manchester United coming after your players. So inevitably they're going to leave um, and you've got to do your best to replace them. And and I feel like we have done our best as a club to replace them like, like but, uh, you know, looking at players that are now in our squad and that have replaced, you know, our, our big names. Um, I mean, this season's proving, you know, that it, it's, it's not as easy as it looks. And, uh, you know, Gaviadini is a good replacement. And um, yeah, I think, you know, time will tell whether we've done a good job replacing them. Right now, it's not looking so, but, you know, players need time. And uh, hopefully that time will, will help these players gel into our philosophy and into these Southampton moulds that, we, uh, that we're used to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I guess just to, to, to emphasize my point, I, I would think that if the deal for Van Dyke was you come here and you're going to play, you're going to finish your career here, I don't think Van Dyke's coming to Southampton. Yeah, no. You know, <laughs> I think that that is... And we want a player. If we want a player that's that good, we have to understand that you're going to come here for three, two, three years, not not half of a season, you know, uh, but but two or three years, and then you you know you'll be off. And I think that that's kind of what it is. And and I I want to be okay with that because I want those players here, but I also don't I don't want everybody to leave. You know, I kind of I want Romeo to stay around and Lamina to stay around, but that might not um, always happen. Um, I guess we get on to the have the players been affected uh, more than we know. I would say that probably, you know, there, there, it can't be that fun all the time, knowing that there is, is, you know, when you step out on the pitch at St. Mary's and you don't necessarily have the support of all the fans and, and your name's getting booed when you're introduced or when you come on, you know, that, that can't do well, but for the, for the individual players, and it's got to have rubbed some, some, some members of the team the wrong way. But she says here, all teams have peaks and troughs some more than others. Do you think, you know, do you see us kind of, coming out of this and, and starting to peak again in the near future? Or do you think that uh, some changes need to be made, whether it's to the squad, to the management or, or something else? Um, yeah, I, I'd love to, I'd love to see us turn it around. It's difficult to look at it that way right now because I've, I've, I've seen the majority of the football that we've played this season and it, it's difficult to, to see it go the opposite way to what it's going now. Um, personally, I, I think the way, the way we're playing right now, is it's very one-dimensional. I think the teams know how we're going to play. They they turn up at St Mary's knowing which which team we're going to play, which formation we're going to play, and I don't think that's massively smart on terms in terms of a tactical tactical side of things. I think we could mix things up every now and then. I think we've got the strikers to be able to play two up top. I think we've got you know the defense to be able to play five at the back. I think we've got like the midfield to be able to you know play more holding midfielders, more wingers. I think I think there are a lot more things that the manager maybe could be trying to try and turn around our form right now. Uh, it, I mean, it's been critical, obviously, because we're, we're not obviously bottom of the league. We're not losing every game. And obviously the manager wants to see his tactics work. Um, and as a fan, you obviously think that you know better than the manager. So it's, it's a difficult one. But I, I think I think we could be throwing in a, a couple more, you know, a couple more surprises for teams just just so we're not so predictable every week i think that's the, the main thing that we're doing wrong right now and then in terms of, of supporting the the guys at saint mary's um 
do you think that the, the support could be better in, in terms of when we're there and when we're playing at home that it may be not always, may not always feel like the most um, kind of, I don't want to say supportive, maybe that's not the right word, but uh, you know, the most encouraging or most supportive environment. I can't, I can't think of anything else to say there. Yeah. Um, personally, I, I think the atmosphere at St. Mary's be a hundred times better than it is right now. Um, the majority of the cheering comes from, from two stands. So this is a four stand stadium and, and the, the other two stands, I, I've never really heard them make much noise whatsoever. And, you know, you, you go to these football grounds in the UK and, and the best ones are, are those where the fans are making noise from all, all stands. You know, it's an intimidating place to play. Uh, I think I went to Leicester, uh, I think it was in the 2014-15 season. And they, they, they just about stayed off relegation at that point. But their, the atmosphere there made it like almost impossible, you know, to make any noise. And, you know, that's what you want from your home fans you want your opponent to turn up at your ground and you want it to be almost impossible to make it make any noise um but at St Mary's it's just not like that and it's not been like that for a couple of seasons now and it's it's not something that's going to help the team and it's something probably that could do you know you know I mean obviously you can't change it without you know playing good football to I mean that's what's ultimately going to help the fans make noise but um yeah, right now it's 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 not a, a nice place to go and watch football. I think I think the fans make it difficult for the players, especially when we're not winning. And it shouldn't be that way. I think you know we should be behind our team for the ninety minutes, uh, regardless. You know that's what you turn up to watch football for. Absolutely, absolutely. That does it for the questions. And then we went a little longer than than anticipated, but I, I think it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there anything else that you that you want to add that you had maybe had a point in your head that we didn't get to cover? In general, I think I think we could probably make more of our squad i think there are players players on the on the periphery of our squad who could be playing more um and i, th- and I think there are players who have got too comfortable in our starting 11 who, who don't deserve that spot anymore yeah yeah we, you don't have to mention names i, I think i know <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah um yeah all right well well uh, matt thank you for doing this i appreciate it very much um mm-hmm. And I just, I just have one question in terms of away days that you're kind of looking forward to for the rest of the season. Is there one particular ground that you're really looking forward to going to, uh, whether it be, uh, up in, uh, in the North or, or just another place in London? Yeah. I mean, we've got a couple of like really big away days coming up. Um, there's Liverpool in a couple of weeks time, which I've got tickets for, which is an exciting one. And I've always wanted to go to Stamford bridge, which is in December. So I'm hoping to get tickets to that one. Okay. And then um, we've got Tottenham on Boxing Day, which is like a nightmare logistically because the trains in this country kind of are non-existent during the Christmas period. So getting to that game at Wembley is going to be an absolute mission. But I'm hoping, hoping to be able to sort that one out, although it's going to be difficult. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I'd love to go to Bournemouth this season, but um, I think the tickets will sell out before it gets to... Uh, to, to my um criteria which is a shame as okay. a, yeah, it always looks amazing there but yeah i think i think there are enough good away games coming up that i'm looking forward to especially anfield as it's one of those stadiums you've just got to go to to experience i think right right all right well that sounds good to me um Mm-hmm. Uh, and once again, I want to thank you for, for coming on the show. And, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of nice to, to talk to you again. I, t- I talk about the page every single week and, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I, I can't thank you enough for, for doing the logo and, and everything else. It's been great. So, uh, thanks for, thanks again for all that and, and for coming on and for being supportive and all that stuff as we kind of gone through almost now, almost 50 episodes of the show. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. No worries whatsoever. Like I, I love coming on and, uh, talking 
talking about Southampton, it's it's rare you get to have a, a reasonable conversation with someone about football because uh, the opinions get so so clouded. But yeah, yeah, no, it's been great. So all right, all right. Well, we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. And uh, thanks. Yeah, no worries whatsoever. Once again, that was my conversation with Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Be sure to head over to the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Give him a follow. Check out the edits, uh, the competitions, the polls, and everything that he does. Uh, all of it is 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 worth uh, your time, and it will, it's a it's a good add to your Instagram feed if you use Instagram. The link to all that is in the show notes, um, and I hope that you will enjoy it. And I think you will. So uh, I wouldn't tell you about the page every week if I didn't really uh, like it. And like I mentioned during the interview. Uh, that is one of the few uh, accounts that I have post notifications turned on for. So I get notified as soon as uh, he posts something and, and it's generally worth my time. So uh, head on over there, check that out. And that will be that. Um, and that pretty much does it for this episode of the podcast. We're coming to the end uh, of October. If you're listening to this, it's, it's Halloween. So, so happy Halloween. Uh, realize it's the end. And by now you, maybe it's not Halloween anymore, but anyway, be safe. Uh, don't do anything ridiculous. Uh, although Halloween is kind of for that. So, um, I'm going to take my kids out and get them super hopped up on sugar, but you know, I think that's what it's all about. So, um, anyway, they will have fun. I hope, uh, I will have fun. My wife will have fun. Hopefully everybody has fun, uh, and, and everybody's safe. So, that being said, as we come to the end of October and move into November, uh, we have one more match before an international break. Uh, we have to play Burnley, who beat Newcastle earlier on Monday, uh, which happened uh, before I recorded this, obviously. Um, so they are coming in. They're going to be tough. It's not going to be uh, an, an easy match. It's not going to be an easy win. Uh, but once again, it's another match that we would anticipate winning. They're going to be organized. They're going to be uh, offer some threat on the offensive end too. So we're going to have to be up for it. We're going to have to be ready to play. Otherwise we, we run the risk of going into this international break on kind of a, a downward kind of spiral. And that's not really what we want, uh, to be dropping points against teams that we should be beating. And I think that, um, it's, it's, it's fair to be a little bit critical right now, um, to not be as optimistic. I, I think I try to be optimistic, but I think right now, uh, I think we are we are questioning some things, and I think that's okay. I think that is necessary given um, how we played and, and, and the lack of kind of improvement from week to week, and the lack of a, maybe a clear identity, as some people have said uh, over over the past few weeks. So, um, hopefully, moving forward, we 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 clean that up. We score some goals. Uh, we play some cohesive, flowing kind of football, um, and hopefully that that is that is what we see from from now on. But uh, all we can do is hope because uh, we haven't seen it just just yet. So um, once again, I'd like to thank you for listening. Thank you to all the guests who sent in questions. And a reminder that you can send in questions each and every week. Uh, we always put up a tweet and a, a post on Facebook. Uh, you can simply comment under there. Use the hashtag SFCDEL. Uh, that will get our attention. It'll show up on a list, and then we'll we'll ask and answer the questions right on, on the show. So uh, don't ever hesitate to do that. It doesn't have to, you don't have to wait till the weekend to send in the questions. Now, if you use the hashtag SFC Dell, that will get that in. And you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook on Twitter. We're at SFC D E L L underscore I V E R Y. And we're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC Dell There is no underscore in the Facebook address. So follow along there. Uh, stay up to date with what's going on with the show. Um, that way you won't miss the questions. Uh, you won't miss uh, the reminder that the episodes are out. And if you don't need to be reminded that the episodes are out, uh, that's because you've already subscribed on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you get your podcast. That also includes SoundCloud or YouTube. So uh, make sure you subscribe anywhere, wherever you get your podcast, to be sure that you do not miss the next episode. We will be back next week talking about the Burnley match and looking forward to the international break. And we'll have a special episode over the international break 
as always. Uh, once again, thank you to everybody for listening. Um, please, if you are enjoying the show, share the show with someone else. It's the best way to help uh, spread the word about the show. Um, retweet the stuff, share it with a friend. Uh, and if you would like, leave a review on iTunes. That helps very, very much. So that's it for this episode. And until next time, remember that together, we march on. <laughs>